everybody, and welcome to The Gag, a spoop cast where I, Joshua Simon, talk to some awesome, awesome people about the spoopy movies that turned us into the gags we are today. And I usually come up with an acronym. Today, I am a garbling, atrocious gobstopper. There you go. I heard a Willy Wonka <laughs> reference the other day. Ooh, God, a gargling? Did I say garbling? I think so. <laughs> wow. Um, I don't know what that is. That's okay. That's okay. But before we talk about trigger warnings, which I should do at the outset of this because all of the trigger warnings, I should introduce the guest. My super special guest is an actor and performer and an intimacy coordinator. Is that correct? Choreographer. An intimacy choreographer. Mm -hmm. And her name is Emily Sucher. Hi! Hi, Emily. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Are, are, you're still okay after watching this movie? Yeah. I'm so Yeah. <laughs> I'm very glad that you did suffer through it um, for, for my sake so that we could talk about this at the beginning of Women's History Month, no less. <laughs> Hooray. Happy Women's History Month. The happiest. The happiest. <laughs> um, some weird stuff's going down, but... The film we're talking about today is a rape revenge film. So all of the trigger warnings, I usually put them in the show notes, but I just Mm -hmm. want to put it in speaking notes as well. (laughs) All of the trigger warnings for the topics that we might cover on this recording. Um, Anything else I should say about that before we dive in? Um, I mean, I, I figure that... Some of this, I guess, goes with your usual repertoire of well, yes, horror, horror movies, and feminism and have always had an interesting relationship. Yeah, interesting. And there's there are feminist critiques of these horror films that put them in a different light, that try to make them into like these feminist diatribes, which they're not, and they never will be if, mm-hmm. if you know, women aren't involved in the telling of these stories. Mm-hmm. And this is a film in which women are involved in the telling of this story, and that movie is Revanche. Revanche. From 2017, directed by, oh, oh, yeah. oh gosh, so Coralie Fargiac. <laughs> Coralie is her first name. Mm-hmm. F-A-R- G-E-A-T. So I've been saying it in my head like Farge, but... Farge, I think it's Farge I think or I'm, something like that. I made that up. So. And something I did want to touch... Oh, I forgot to ask you what turned you gay this week. Oh my god, okay. What turned you so, gay this week? So many things. Um, but So I haven't even seen this movie yet, but mm-hmm. just the online response to the film Portrait of a Lady on Fire? Yes. Yeah, there have been... Just, um, actually, I'm going to... Pull up your notes. <laughs> pull up. Um, there was somebody on Lex, which is the uh, oh, lesbian yeah. personals app. Lesbian personals app. Right, right, right. <laughs> I saw this one and I saved it because it um, made me wonderfully gay and brought me joy. Ah, just rainbows this, this... just shooting out of exactly. your nostrils. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so the text is, listen, I've watched Portrait of a Lady on Fire three times now, and I just want to pump it right into my bloodstream forever. Let's make it a fourth time and silently weep next to each other while being unable to make eye contact. That's a personal ad? Mm-hmm. I love that. I, <laughs> I love also that, uh, the director, Celine Sciamma, and the mm-hmm. actress, Adele Nell, um, walked out of the Cesar yeah, Awards did. recently. when When... Roman Polanski, first trigger of the, of the <laughs> night, Roman, Roman Polanski won Best Director. They were like, bye. And they bounced and they yeah. said, we're leaving because we don't support the French film institution uh, mm-hmm. awarding this man who yep. never faced any, you know. Yeah. But I don't need to get into all that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll save that for the Rosemary's Baby episode <laughs> if we ever do one. Um, Revenge is an, in- well, what turned me gay this week? Yeah, what did? I wanted to watch the film I Spit on Your Grave from 1978, which is one of the best known of the genre of rape and revenge. It is written and directed by a man, so despite the final girl getting this revenge, it's still, you know, not being told from the perspective of the this the male gaze is still heavy mm-hmm. upon this film and, mm-hmm. and it's quite obvious. Um I ended up not being able to watch it, but 
the film I did end up watching was Cat People, which is from 1942. Okay. It's about a woman who believes from her uh, niche Christian religion in Eastern, in Serbia, Eastern Europe. Okay. She believes that if she becomes sexually aroused, she will turn into a ferocious feline and kill or maim the person who aroused her. Is this a Christian thing? And a man... I, I gotta say, nowhere in my brief experiences with with Christianity is this like they like yeah. bring in some Christianity yeah, into it. I don't it, know too much about it, but I'm I like, missed this that part. Sound, it sounds like it sounds like definitely this was combined with some other uh, mythology here because mm-hmm. I do not remember learning about any of that. Yeah. In my art history class, because I didn't have a Christianity class, because I didn't go to Catholic school. I went to public school. <laughs> But most of what I know about Christianity, oddly enough, I learned because of studying art history. <laughs> did you take AP art history in high school? Oh, I sure do. Oh, yeah, me too. I loved that class. Yeah, that's where I got, I was like, oh, people really loved that they Madonna loved and Child. Jesus. They They're like all of the paintings, yeah. you know? It's one of those things so where I used modern to have art all came around. this knowledge about something and it's all gone now. Like I knew all 13 stations of the cross. Yeah. We, are, we are both very Jewish, I should probably add. Oh uh, yeah, indeed. Um, so like <laughs> I had to learn all 13 stations of the cross because they were all depicted oh in relief on this gothic yeah, church. Yeah, everywhere. Can I name the church? No. Did I <laughs> ace the class? Yes. Yes. So... That's all we need yeah. to say. I actually, I started public school in sixth grade for middle school. I went to a Jewish day school oh, till I was like 11 years old with half of our classes in Hebrew every day and wow. all of the stuff. Um, <laughs> and they like didn't want Christianity to seem too enticing. How like, did they make Christianity seem unappealing? Well, like we couldn't talk about Christmas. Oh, well that's... It, well, that's interesting. Yeah, one of the um, when when you are a young girl and interested in theater, you end up doing Annie about five times. Oh wow! And so when I did it with my like, Jewish youth group, there are all these mentions of Christmas, and they rewrote everything to be New Year's. You had to you had to censor Annie. Yeah, yeah. There's even the the one line in the song where they're like the talking wildest, about Santa Claus. That's the wildest act yeah. of censorship I've ever they heard. They changed about. Santa Claus to Mickey Mouse. That's going to get them sued. Yeah. You can't do that. <laughs> Santa Claus is in the public domain. Just use Santa Claus. I don't know. They should have known better. They're going to get they're going to get sued. Yeah. Oh. Nope. They changed Santa Claus, Claus to, to Mickey, Mickey Mouse. Mouse. Yeah. It's wild that that's the most recognizable figure. Right. It's like that scene in the movie Super Size Me where children <laughs> immediately recognize Ronald McDonald and not one of them can recognize Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, so okay. that was our talk about Christianity and Cat People, <laughs> the wow. movie that started yep. us on that mm-hmm. tangent, um, was an interesting film because, like the film we're discussing today, involves a woman facing undue repercussions for expressing herself sexually. Mm-hmm. And before we get into all that, I'd love to talk a little bit about what it is you do as an intimacy coordinator. Choreographer, sorry, yeah. I keep saying that. That's I'll get okay. it right. No, 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 it's confusing. And there are a lot of terms that have been tossed around. So I'll mm-hmm. maybe first break down the terminology. Um, so there are a lot of titles that have been affiliated with intimacy work in theater, TV, and film. Um, so coordinator, intimacy coordinator is the title that's being used for TV and film work um, because it extends from stunt coordinator contracts. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I have only... Um, intimacy coordinated one short film it was Mm -hmm. very brief I'm not really pursuing that in earnest um, until I complete my certification process for intimacy direction in theater right Um, but you have done plenty of yeah in the area um, in in theater yeah coordinating so theater um the term is either director or choreographer Um, and I, I use both pretty interchangeably. Um, some, some people, um, I've studied with have differentiated director and choreographer with how much creative input you get to have versus are you just doing like, the, are you chore- are you like, yeah, are you helping shape the story? Um, or are you leaving that to the, the director and you're just doing the movement? Is it the mechanical? Yeah. And it depends really a lot on the different directors I've worked with. I've now... So sometimes you're basically coming up with what you're going to depict 
on the spot. And other times <laughs> the director says, we're depicting this, this, and this. Make it, make it yeah. happen. Well, there's always a lot of communication that goes into it, which is um, part Seems of the, like <laughs> the buy-in process um, in getting a lot of directors on board. I, I think the biggest challenge that I've had so far with that is just getting them to accept that it's going to take more time than it used to when they could just go, okay, so you're making out today. Right. Eh, you yes. know? And I've <laughs> worked hard to make my process as efficient as possible, but, but it's going to it right, take more time than yeah, that. If you want to do it right, it exactly. can't be always, it can't be expedient. I mean, patience is a right. scarce, <laughs> scarce resource yeah. these days. So I've been... Um, but, you know, working to make my process efficient but also thorough. Um, I study with Intimacy Directors International, mm-hmm. and uh, they have a set of five pillars that go into the process of um, intimacy direction. Yeah. And um, with that, you can develop your own style. You have your own um, way of approaching intimacy. But uh, everybody As in follows... real life. <laughs> exactly. But, but you're always following the same structure. They all conveniently start with C. Mm-hmm. So it's context, consent, communication, choreography, closure. So before you even get to choreography, which is the technical movement of where do the hands go? where, mm-hmm. How long does this last? All of that. First, you make sure that everybody understands the context. So... Actors know why they're doing what they're doing. Director um, says what story they want in the scene. Why do we want to get out of it? Why is this scene even happening? Mm -hmm. So it's either not gratuitous or if it's gratuitous, we know that it is and we're doing that. work work with it anyway. That it's purposeful, that everybody knows and agrees on the story you're telling. Consent. um, Still, it's it's wild how often that has to be explained still. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the I think one of the main things people are too impatient to unpack about consent is the difference between no means no and yes means yes consent mm-hmm. like how how people are just supposed to react only when something makes them uncomfortable but yeah but they should steer more towards talking about what they are comfortable <laughs> with what they're doing and yeah. That well, that's why I think it's into communication. That's why I think it's so important for people to have intimacy directors at the outset, mm-hmm. and that's something that's still growing with a lot of not only buy-in of getting people mentally on board, but also budgets on board mm-hmm. and all of that. So, Oregon Shakespeare Festival just um, hired Sarah Lozoff, who's also with Intimacy Directors International. Yeah. So they have her as their in-house intimacy director so awesome. she's on board for all the shows not on a contract by contract basis so she's in-house mm-hmm. gotcha. so she's there for every single show of their season as needed um and how long has intimacy coordinator uh choreographers international yeah. been around um so idi is mm, officially um I don't have an exact number of years, and I don't want to guess and <laughs> get it wrong. But I know that uh, the executive director and founder, Tonya Sina, has been studying it. Uh, intimacy pedagogy was part of her thesis um, in, like, 2006. Right. Yeah, I don't have any notes in front of me uh, with figures on that, so a lot so of it's I didn't mean there. to put you on That's the okay. spot, but it has, it, it's been within yeah. the last 10 years yeah, or so Yeah, it's been within the last 10 years, but um, I first heard about it um, in response to the scandal with Profi- Profiles Theater in Chicago. Mm, yes, so, I remember reading about that. Yeah, with the, when that expose and the Chicago Reader came out, and in response to it, I heard, so... We're working on organizing um, intimacy direction. It was similar to some work that I'd already been doing uh, with consent education in medical schools. And Real quickly, what happened at Profiles Theater is that actors felt that they were being put in uncomfortable positions where they were unable to say no to certain to representing certain sexual activities on stage yeah. and felt like they were forced into... A scenario where it was either be uncomfortable and feel mm-hmm. it, feel this discomfort or keep your job. Yeah, and, and with that the situation, the situation there ran really deep. So it yeah. had been a situation where it had been going on for years and years. 
and there were basically these two guys in charge. Mm-hmm. So they like directed and starred in all of the shows. Wow. And um, they were known for these like gritty, realistic productions. <sighs> and they were getting all of this you know, praise from reviewers about how realistic it was. And it's because they were actually really they... assaulting the people. And so it's about how they Creating the... dangerous situations. Exactly. <clears throat> and meanwhile, um, the culture was getting reinforced and supported by these positive reviews. So it's hard to speak up and say, <sighs> I don't want to do this, when and, you have that yeah. in print saying about how great it is. It's an odd... It's an odd time we live in because we're seeing, for the first time, powerful men being held accountable mm-hmm. for their actions. I don't need to rattle off any names, but in Hollywood there have been some very powerful men mm-hmm. who are, for the first time, facing repercussions. And yet, we also award, and this only happens with actors, mm-hmm. we also award like unpredictable impulsive method acting yeah. like mm-hmm. we just awarded Joaquin Phoenix for playing Ugh. the Joker Ugh. and I could see the smoke come out of your ears every time we we brought that up in conversation Ugh. do you have any thoughts on the unpredictable impulsive method of acting especially when it comes to committing violence against <laughs> other actors well um I I'm so frustrated I'm so tired of it because I I mean just so many things it's hard to know where to start because first of all I mean also I said I work primarily in theater so it's taking more time to trickle into film work um it's you know it's a, a little bit here and there I guess like I've there are also regional theaters versus mm-hmm. I think it um, it's more recent that it's come to Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just last year with Claire Warden uh, doing Frankie and Johnny and the Claire right. Balloon was yes. I think the first one, and then she worked on Slave in Play. The program Indeed, credit. exactly. Um, but with with film, it's now been um, expanding um, since. Um, Alicia Rodas's work with HBO, uh, with The Deuce, and now it's expanded and it's growing really fast. The um, HBO which series is, about porn, yeah. which will require a lot exactly. of a lot of intimacy to be directed. Yeah, yeah. And then the situation—it it was so positive with having her on that it really takes you know it takes more than just the people doing the work to say you should hire us. It really takes the actors and the directors and other people saying like, no, this we insist on it. We because, need to communicate. This yeah. is what we owe each other. Exactly. And business. saying that, you know, like we don't want to do this project unless we have these protocols in place. Because um, otherwise we might get kicked in, <laughs> kicked in the face yeah. by Joaquin Phoenix. Exactly. And nobody wants and Yeah, that. and the thing that's like different with also theater and film well, is that... Well, actually some, some well, people might want that, but well, that's another conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but with theater, you also want to work to make sure that your story is repeatable. Because mm-hmm. it's not just about getting that one take. It's about doing it night after night. Night after night, yeah. Yeah, so, okay, maybe this impulse, like let's say with the best of intentions, it works one night. Let's say everybody's comfortable you don't have any guarantee that it'll work the same way the next night if mm-hmm. you're just figuring it out as you go. Yeah. And in, and on a film shoot, it's similar with multiple takes. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it is just simply dangerous. Yeah. It's simply danger, it's, a dangerous way to It's dangerous, behave. and it doesn't make it better. It's it really like, doesn't. if you're just flailing around, how are you, you know, to know what story you're telling? How are... It's wild. I mean... There's a there's a famous story where Dustin Hoffman needed to be out of breath oh, yeah. and, and uh, <laughs> frazzled, yeah. so he like Lawrence stayed up Olivier. all night. He stayed up all night running, mm-hmm. and and Laurence Olivier asked him why why are you in such bad shape? Why are you in such dire straits, my boy? Or however he talks. <laughs> yeah. And Dustin Hoffman explained, well, in order to yeah. get in order to get into character, I stayed up all night and ran. And Olivier just went, have you? Tried acting? Yeah, yeah. Tried acting, my dear boy. It's much easier. I think it's also been, like, Britishized over the years. He takes the pipe out of his mouth. And goes, pip, pip, Dustin. Gets off of his uh, flying umbrella machine and goes, (laughs) Dustin, my dear boy, have you tried acting? And then he flew away on a unicorn that ate crumpets. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, British things. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like unicorns are British because unicorns are in Harry Potter. (laughs) That, and that's where I yeah. that's where I got unicorns exactly. from. Exactly. 
it also like well it's one thing if he wanted to stay up all night and do that whatever for his process it's like all right i don't agree with it i don't think you have to but you do you you're only hurting yourself yes it's another thing when you're well like with, it's hurting again other people. with dustin hoffman on kramer versus kramer when he mm. like threw that glass at meryl streep and was that ad-libbed indeed oh. <laughs> yeah yeah i think in uh, meryl streep's uh memoir she talks about how he was terrible to her oh mm. in order to you know, be part. in character yeah. and again, they're both awarded oscars mm-hmm. uh him for going there and her for taking it and it's fucked up yeah i feel like uh if Melissa McCarthy were to do the same thing on the set of whatever <laughs> she's shooting, people would call her uh, volatile. People mm-hmm. ha- probably have. Yeah. Like, people will call women difficult or diva or volatile or hard to work with when they do shit like this, but then they give men mm-hmm. these awards. Yeah. I, it And it's not the first time this has happened. It's not even the first time this has happened with the role of Joker. Jared yeah. Leto sent condoms it's to his co-stars. That's Ugh. sexual assault. Yeah. That's harassment. Yeah. Shit. He why should be in jail. Is, why is that allowed? <laughs> he should be in prison. Yeah. Oh, uh, if only 30 seconds to Mars wasn't so banging. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's, I, that's but, the re- but, apparently that's the only thing keeping <laughs> him out of jail is his rock music. Yeah, okay. I do kind of love how the rest of Suicide Squad couldn't stand him though. They would just arrive at like Tyler a premiere like, without him. I'm glad him. he didn't try that with me because uh, yeah. I'd have had him killed. <laughs> Thank you. Very casual. Yeah. Um, well, would you like to get into the movie sure. that we managed mm-hmm. to get through? Indeed, yeah. How, are you a scary movie watcher in general? I, I am. I, I really like scary movies. I to tend to go more for the you know psychological thrillers over more. Uh. Um, gory stuff like this this one this one it was a lot it was yeah it drove us to drink we're having a little happy hour i'm drinking uh the pastryarchy Mm -hmm. uh chocolate cherry imperial stout the pastryarchy sure it's called the (laughs) pastryarchy happy women's history month wow (laughs) anyway this film was so gory we we can, can only talk about it with a Mm-hmm. Beer in hand. Indeed. Normally you go for more psychological terror. There are things that put this movie into the realm of a more psychological terror. Yeah. There were times that the gore became so much mm-hmm. and so overwhelming mm-hmm. that it that it that it spilled over the border of ridiculousness. Right. At least for yeah. me, and became like, well, this is just overkill at this point. This mm. is kind of ridiculous. And it's not even processing as, like, gore or, yeah. or viscera to me. Yeah. It's just overkill. It was a lot. But it also felt very purposeful. It never felt yeah. pointless. I do feel like Fargiat made sure every shot had a purpose. Mm-hmm. It's It was filmed in such a detailed way. Yeah. That and it was beautifully mm-hmm. shot. This yeah. was a beautifully shot movie about awful, awful things. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of the double-edged swords about rape revenge movies. Mm-hmm. Is that as long as the horror of sexual assault still exists in real life, we have to, we can't ignore it in the stories we tell, mm-hmm. especially not in the horror genre, the yeah. genre that comes at you with the things that scare us and. That culture and the persistence of rape culture is a scary thing. And mm-hmm. honestly, a lot of men should be forced to watch this movie. I'm, I mean, <laughs> I can think of a few. <laughs> I'd strongly, strongly recommend, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> um, did you like this movie? I did. It, okay. I mean, I won't... I don't know if I could say I enjoyed it. But I good was, distinction. Yeah. Very good distinction. But I did appreciate it and I mean I it was intense so I do really love it when movies can make me feel things like that yeah and it was written and and directed by a French woman and it's I think it's important to bring up the film being made in France because France went through what's called the new extremity movement Mm -hmm. um there is a feminist critique on the new uh, the French Mm -hmm. new extremity 
um, written by horror writer Alexandra West, because up until that point, the the biggest like feminist critique of horror came from a writer named Carol J. Clover in her book Men, Women, and Chainsaws, which I have in my lap. <laughs> wow. Um, but the New French Extremity was known for its hyper-violent, incredibly bloody, like, gratuitous mm-hmm. gore. And this is a film that came later than the bulk of this movement, and so is not necessarily part of it, but is mm-hmm. definitely akin to it in the level of gore it gives you. Yeah. But is taking it one step further by also being a super stylishly filmed rape and revenge motion picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one thing though I thought it's that was starting. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I thought was um really unique about this film uh as opposed to other movies that uh deal with sexual assault is that it did barely show the actual rape. How yeah. how how graphic a lot of the uh, the subsequent violence was kind of overshadowed yeah. how little graphic. Yeah, which it would How, cut to her face yeah. reacting to it. Um, so you saw her pain. You heard her screams yeah. on the outside. But then it would go mostly to the the other guy eating candy. The 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 senses, all five senses yeah. being overwhelmed mm-hmm. was something very important, right. I think, in terms of filmmaking. Like the sound, the sights. You... Of course, you can't smell a movie, but yeah. you were you were clued in to how things might have smelled in that situation. Yeah. Oh. Unfortunately, we haven't oh. uh, perfected the art of smell-o-vision, but this wouldn't yeah. be the film that I'd start with. No. You know, know, should William Castle come back from the dead and reinvent... Uh, he was a gimmicky film director, and he would do things uh-huh. like presented in hypnovision. Yeah. He would he would be the one to be like, yeah. and now you can smell <laughs> the desert. Yeah, um, I mean, this one was overwhelming in other ways. It sure like, oh, was. I wouldn't. I mean, we should probably get into some plot, mm-hmm. y'all. Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. Um, this movie is about a woman who mm-hmm. is it somebody's mistress, and she yeah. goes with her lover, this married man, to a remote cabin in the yeah. desert. For a dalliance, mm-hmm. shall we say. So she is of her own volition going with him to get her dick appointment. And it's presented as something that is normal. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And for the first five minutes, this is a sexy, sexy movie. And then for the next 85, <laughs> it's the complete opposite. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think of her positioning at the outset of the movie as the other woman? Yeah, well, and I put other in quotations. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Audio medium. <laughs> you medium. Got to talk your air quotes. Yes. What do you think of her positioning as an as the other woman? Well, I think it was really interesting that they positioned her as, you know, the quote unquote mistress mm-hmm. with these, you know, three like married men with families. Yeah. Because the, it, these two guys show yeah. up unexpected and they are creepy <laughs> as fuck right yeah. away. Yeah. And like it she me... came there for him, mm-hmm. but as soon as they arrive, it's right. like, this is these not hunting what I buddies. For. Yeah. But like, even though the first night she's like, oh, it's okay. Your friends yeah, are here. Yeah. Let's party by the pool. Yeah. Let's drink. Let's, she's being friendly to her man's friends. And I think what made that really interesting for me is a lot of times the defense that men use when confronted um, with what they do is, no, I've got a family. I've met a woman before. I I have a daughter. I have a wife. Da, da, da. And so all of these people had, you know, wives Wives, and children. Children, families. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her her lover says, if not for the kids, I'd leave her. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, wait a fucking... Use your kids as an excuse. Mm -hmm. Like, that's such a... What a prince. That's such a douche move. I mean, you know at the outset, the film is called Revenge. Yeah. You know that this tryst of theirs is not going to end well. Right. So the movie does clue you in, but I started running a tallied list of reasons Richard is a douche. Richard, <laughs> is, Richard is her boyfriend, and, you know, it's, he's, he's a handsome, good-looking guy. He's successful. Yeah. But is very quickly becomes the, the arch-villain of the movie. Mm-hmm. And 
one of the first things, and I'm so silly, I, I, <laughs> it's so stupid, but when he calls her butt a little... A he, peach? Her, he calls her butt a peach, which is cute, but then he says a little alien? He's like, it's like a little alien. Is he talking about his dick or is he talking about her butt? And uh, I got very confused and I'm, I'm like, just... look, dude, you're really bad at the cutesy talk. <laughs> I already don't trust you. Yeah. And that was when I was like, girl... Get, get out of there. Get, get, get out. out of there. But, but they're course... like, does it, I mean, they're literally in the middle of nowhere. Yes. So they're in the in the desert. They had to take a helicopter to get there. A fucking helicopter. Yeah. And it was, so they're, they're in the middle of nowhere. And One of the things I find interesting about her, you know, immediately being shown as someone who enjoys sex, as someone who enjoys feeling sexy, as someone who is making her own decision about her own sex life, even though you know, you know, this society punishes women for that, mm-hmm. it's the first thing you see. It sets her up as a, a person who has agency. Mm-hmm. And there is this sense that because she is the other woman, however, these men automatically value her less. Yeah. And as an audience, we're confronted with the idea that because she's engaged in an extramarital affair that for some reason that makes her value less i mean that's in most other horror movies that's a death wish exactly that's if you see her who's very you know conventionally she's dancing sexy. with these men she's having a good time she's drinking with them mm-hmm. she's smoking with them she comes in like sucking the lollipop right. like that they've got the shot on there but no matter mm-hmm. what she does this this film and this director is not mm-hmm. going to let you think is never going to let you think she pr- she confronts you with these things that mm-hmm. women are often is often used to yeah. turn the blame back on women right. for their own assaults but she confronts you with them and then says she's still not asking mm-hmm. for any of this shit to happen to yeah. her no matter what she does, no matter how sexual she mm-hmm. is, she is, as soon as she is unable to make her own decisions, that's when shit gets dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, when I started watching it, I kind of knew what was coming because I knew the basics of what the film was about. So I was already sort of ready. But I started getting that ominous feeling yeah. when they were, um, so the day after that, um, so... Yeah, they arrive. Right, they arrive. They have They're a good the time. Pool. These two Everything guys, seems... Dan and Dimitri. Yeah, great names. Uh, they Stan show and Dimitri. up a day early to hunt with Richard, yeah. meeting his mistress, and and they're at his villa with the pool and right. they're drinking wine, and it's, she's it's, dancing, and and it just seems like it's a Lindsay Lohan beach yeah, party. Yeah, everything looks great for about five minutes. Great. Then the next morning, she wakes up and goes outside, and Richard's gone. And mm. so she sits at the the table outside uh, with Stan. Stan. And he's like, um, oh, Richard had to go out. Um, Dimitri's nursing a hangover. It's just you and me here. Mm. And, and, and she had danced with him last night. She had been flirty with him, and he mm-hmm. immediately brings that up. Yeah. Well, does he immediately... Well, Pretty quickly. At first, he um, at first he's just trying to, like, just talk to her, mm-hmm. and she's just you know smiling politely, but then like looking down at her phone and giving the yeah. signal that okay, um, I'm busy. She's being. She's immediately, well, once she finds out Richard is gone, the yeah. only man she actually knows, she's immediately on yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, to women, it's it's completely natural to just com- to just enter that. Yeah survival mode <laughs> it's like um mm, well, like being on the metro like <laughs> putting in headphones yeah, putting or in reading headphones. a book or just do you feel obligated to clue men in that you don't want to be bothered when mm-hmm. really yeah so she's kind of responding politely to his yes. questions but in ways that sort of shut down the conversation just yes no okay yeah, she's a i'm pro gonna play this. a little game on my phone a lot of women, unfortunately, have to become pros at that kind of yeah. uh, de-escalation. It, and, it's so like, frustrating to watch. People get so defensive. Mm-hmm. It's like I mean, and it just escalates so fast from there. But like the beginning of it is so everyday kind of shit. Yeah, and then he asks what it is about him that yeah, she doesn't. Says, 
why don't you like me? Yeah, and she, she and likes, she's like, well, first of all, she, she doesn't owe him an answer yeah, to that question. Yeah, she doesn't know him an answer. And but she's of course, just like, she won't be, re- you know, he has yeah. her cornered and won't. She resists, yeah, because they're in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And so first she, like, kind of refuses to answer, and she just then tries to brush it off a number of times. So she just says, fuck, you know, you're not my type. Oh, this is also after she left the table, and he then followed her inside when she was changing clothes. and Ending a conversation and leaving a room. Yeah. Honestly, if a straight man can't pick up on that cue... I honestly don't know what to tell him. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah. luckily I don't have to tell these men anything because they were uh, uh, butchered beyond recognition. But, <laughs> Great. Um, oh, spoiler alert. Ooh. But after she's after she's introduced to these two men mm-hmm. as the other woman, it, yeah. it becomes clear that this man, that Stan, yeah. the man who ends up assaulting her, sees the rules as different. Yeah. Because she's the other woman and... Some of the things he says make uh, are evidence that he might think she's a sex worker of some sort. He says things like, "Oh, what are you a fucking politician?" Things yeah. that things that allude to the fact that he sees her as mm-hmm. a sex worker of some kind, when really she's she's having an affair of her own volition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he um, it won't take because she's trying to. Let him not, down easy right. and give him nice answers, just like, oh, you're not my type. And then she says, uh, you know, I like tall guys. Right. And even then, if she were a yeah. sex worker, yeah, you know, that doesn't fucking, like, give him the right to say any of the things he says to her. Exactly. It's clear that he values, he values her less by virtue of her being right. a he, quote unquote mistress. Yeah. He thinks he's owed her time and attention. Oh, he... and then he takes a lot more than that. Yeah. It's uh, something that I hope was choreographed very specifically. <laughs> and I did want to talk about, because on stage, mm-hmm. e- as well as in, f- in film, sexual acts are often, are often portrayed violently. There's often certain sexually violent acts that are portrayed on stage. And so you don't only do, you don't only choreograph things that are violent. You also right. choreograph just plain old yeah. fun sex. <laughs> but unfortunately, a lot of material does contain that aspect. Mm-hmm. And so when violence is occurring in the scene, along with intimacy, mm-hmm. how closely do you work with a combat director or a fight choreographer? Uh, well, it depends on how much we're showing. Okay. So I've worked on some scenes where I'm working with the fight choreographer and um, I'm facilitating the communication and consent and some of the small details that are layered on top of the fight work. Um, But I also, um, I think that one of my favorite scenes that I've done, actually, uh, it was so much less about the physical movement because we talked about what this scene was about. Mm -hmm. And it ended up, so it was a bit of a coercive scene that didn't really um, go into violence because the... Um, it's a scene with a man and a woman and the man kind of wears her down until she says yes. Pressuring her. Exactly. Yeah. Using manipulative, mm-hmm. um, tools to, yeah. mm-hmm. to get what he wants. Yeah. And so he doesn't force her physically, but it's Mental. still not consent. Yeah. It's not really given. It's not enthusiastic. It's, it's murky. Yeah. So we talked about that. But also it's obviously uncomfortable and unwanted. Yeah. And so what ended up being the important thing about that and what I had to talk uh, a lot with the the male actor in this uh, pairing, I had to tell him that he couldn't break eye contact with her, that she could break eye contact. She could get uncomfortable, but he can't, he can't let go in that scene just with eye contact. Fascinating. Um... Until she decides to go, okay. So you put the control of that connection entirely on her so that the actress would have control over the situation or that it would be obvious that the character was being manipulated? Well, both. So we all uh, first discussed going in 
that pillars order. First, we talked context. Context. Um, so we're talking about the story. We agreed what was happening, um, what both characters wanted and what they were going for, what was at stake here, all of that. So we all agreed on the story we were telling. Okay. Um, then consent. Yeah, consent. So, all right, here's sort of the container of physical movements that we're going to be working with. Um, is there anything in that that you are uncomfortable with so I that's like, when you set those boundaries yeah. like you can't touch me here i'd rather you not do this sure. things like that yeah i like to set that at the outset just so that we know not to ask about something that isn't going to be ever okay or okay, okay. for that day and that yeah. can be like you know those can change day to day so maybe oh uh, my neck is sensitive today but it might be okay tomorrow so check in tomorrow um or gotcha. something like that or um, things like don't touch my neck. <laughs> yeah, or just don't touch my neck ever. Right. So gotcha. deciding like what's like sometimes when I lead a workshop, sometimes we do exercises with like a, like a traffic light. Like this area is red. This is yellow, meaning like ask about it, but don't surprise me. Maybe okay. maybe not. And this is green. You can go for that. That's okay. That's simple and wonderful. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's nice and easy, and and that also is helpful when you're. It, it gives the actors some freedom to still explore because we're not saying that we're not looking to take out all you know spontaneity and uh, but we just want to then right. settle on the thing that we agree is telling the story the best and keep that consistent every time. Consistent. Yeah. So, um, that consistency is important. Indeed, you yeah. Don't want to people at work. <laughs> right. And just because you're really feeling it that one day, that's not an excuse to yeah. up Fucking it. Surgeons because... don't get to do that. Yeah. Well, I know I was supposed to like remove a tumor. Right. But liver, I thought but, I would uh, go crazy. Wanted just... to give his heart an extra chamber or something. I don't know. <laughs> I just know. saw it right there and I couldn't help it. Oh, no, this <laughs> The <getting> mood struck <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. But chamber heart. Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, but so, and a lot of times for some of these scenes, I like to make sure that they have somewhere to go mm-hmm. so that they don't find themselves in like the second week of a run and decide, hmm, I'm getting bored. Let me escalate it. So we have a so you limit. Want to set a cap. We have a ceiling. Yeah. A ceiling. Good, yeah. Good and that's also, you know, just like if a queue is late or something. Like, let's say we're waiting for lights off and maybe it takes two seconds longer one day. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to not have anywhere to go after that. So I usually set choreography a few beats past what we're doing okay uh what what should be shown just so that they know yeah and just so that the actors then have an intention of a dot 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 because if i only like if we only choreograph it to the point where we get cut off then also that's what it's going to look like is that okay we're only going here and then freeze you know it's like when you have a, a line in a script that you get cut off from another character you exactly. are all, as an actor you're always going to be advised to have yeah. something <laughs> in the pocket for when yeah. that cutoff doesn't happen mm-hmm, at the right live moment theater, you because know? it's live and so having yeah an extra thought an extra few beats mm-hmm. prepared yeah because you'd rather have them and not need them right and need them and not have them exactly a very old adage for a very <laughs> new set of yeah, but it's exactly the same about. thing as yeah. like with your text that you just want to have a sense of like you need to know where the line would go if you didn't get cut off at that moment. So gotcha. it's the same thing with the choreography. Is that are we still at the second C consent or have we moved on um, to the well, third consent, C? communication, um, communication. Yeah, is the third C. That's and right. yeah, and sometimes those um, get flipped around mm-hmm. because sometimes communication is talking about, about sort of general those, boundaries yeah. and then consent is throughout the process of okay so while I'm setting this uh can I touch you here is that okay um going forward um communicating in order yeah. to get both yeah. permission and mm-hmm. and not becoming flustered when permission's not given yeah and and also understanding that so consent can only come from the parties involved mm-hmm. i can theoretically give you permission to do something to but another you, person, yeah, but, but you, you have can, to ask. You that can person. only get consent from that other person. Okay, yes. And you know, vice versa. And and then we, you know, set clear choreography and that process um, is going to be different depending on what's involved. If it's a very movement heavy sequence, if there's like rolling around on furniture, mm-hmm. I'll usually set it very generally first to get a shape just so that we can get all of that heavy movement. Right 
comfortable and confident before we start layering on the detail work of like relax your wrist here and arch your back here and you know exhale on that and exhale and inhales are, are choreographed yeah sometimes, well, sometimes it depends on what like also if i'm choreographing a crotch grab <laughs> then it then it's all sold by the reaction because sure they're is. not actually grabbing their crotch, but the no, I, I'd say a, a firm quadricep handshake. Yeah, pretty much. But it's only going to sell if on that you know. You go, oh my! Yeah, that is my genitalia. Exactly. Oh like my! That. So. Yeah. Oh my! Oh my yeah. genitalia! Yeah. It, it's always that. That's always. It's, gonna, it's that every single time. It's gotta it's be universal, consistent. right? Gotta be consistent. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the gender. You can. Everyone can say that. <laughs> and then at the the fourth C, we've got uh, closure. Closure. Yeah. And that means. So that is separating yourself from the character, setting important uh, bookends. You hear of, that, Joaquin? If yeah, you're listening, indeed. if you're listening, Joaquin, closure is <laughs> important. Sorry. Yeah, and that and that process is going to vary also depending on what you're working with. I usually have sort of a placeholder clo- closure process for when I'm setting choreography because mm-hmm. when you're setting it you have to repeat it a bunch of times so we might um, do a high 10 at the beginning and at the end just so that we have a tactile and an auditory signal of the hands together just signaling we're in it we're out of it i also have mm-hmm. more detailed closure processes available mm-hmm. for people who need that so if you're doing a much more emotionally heavy scene you can oh, do yeah, um, yeah. something more independent or something with your partner. And closure processes also apply for, you know, stage managers. People who have to watch this, you know, scene again and night again, after night, night after night, you yeah. know, and it's, therefore be a part of it. It's that you think about yeah. these things. I really don't think a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah, that's new. So hopefully everyone will be thinking of it going forward. And, it, is, know, it is new. Up until this point, it, I think... Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times intimacy simply was directed by the director. And then if there was a scene of sexual violence mm-hmm. or violence that is sexualized or whatever, right. it was left up to the combat directors or the fight choreographers yeah. or the stunt coordinators mm-hmm. who know about physical things but do not have the knowledge or the vocabulary to tackle the the intimate and the sexual aspects of it. Yeah. And and it's a lot of training as well, like right. um, everyone practicing. So I'm mental health first aid certified, yeah. and that's a requirement for anybody practicing. Mental health first yeah. aid specifically? Yeah, okay. so mental health first wow. aid. So that's like one standard that we can go to. Gotcha. I mean, I think everybody should get it. It's pretty <laughs> available. Oh, well, you know. Uh, um, and, you know, being informed of, uh, you know, trauma-informed mm-hmm. um, because that just comes out in so many different ways yes. and will affect people differently. And, and one thing I talk about when going over consent with uh, theater groups is that also, so we follow the, um, I mean, there are lots of things that go into consent, but the little Planned Parenthood acronym of FRIES, F-R-I-E-S. So that's like, it's freely given, reversible, informed, enthusiastic, specific. FRIES. <laughs> yeah, FRIES. Um, everyone loves fries. Wow. <laughs> so the enthusiastic one, I sometimes talk about with actors as like, all right, so you might find, like a lot of actors also, they enjoy the discomfort oh, yeah. in certain ways. Yeah, I like to, and I totally get that. Like I like to deal with uncomfortable territory. So it's going to be a different kind of enthusiasm. Tension yeah. is an important part of this, of storytelling. Yeah, you but have- it. Yeah. Yeah, but you still have to be prepared to go through it. So there's, it's a right. different type of enthusiasm. I see. You can be excited about the process and still nervous. Mm-hmm. You know, in ways that you, in your regular life, might not. Yeah, yeah you might. Um, because although it should certainly carry over sure. that level of communication, absolutely. And boundary setting. I think that all of it is. I mean, completely applicable to. But it's. Um, it'll just sometimes present differently because mm-hmm. when you're doing it in service of a story or for your job, right. you have different things that are driving you. I gotcha. Yeah. And so the story of <laughs> revenge. revenge. Wait, did we get to the fifth C? Oh my God. Wait, what was the fifth C? Oh, closure. That was closure. Oh, so it was... Yeah. So we kind of conflated oh. co- communication consent and then Communication, choreo- consent, choreography, choreography closure. closure. Yeah. 
I think we kind of glossed over choreography, but that's kind of self Yeah, I mean, that's the, the step-by-step process. Right. And like I was saying here. You that... were saying, put your hand here, exhale here. Yeah. We and... did cover it. Sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. And all of that... Yeah. And all of that communication is in service of telling a story, even one as violent as this yeah. one. And that's mm-hmm. why I... And that's why I think there was such attention to detail. Yeah. Like, even before the shit hit the fan, so to speak, Mm -hmm. the first time she sees these two interlopers, the Mm -hmm. ones who catalyzed the whole situation, the camera... The camera stops on her face, and then it pans, rotates around until she's looking at them through tinted glass. And I... That scene made me ten times gayer. I lost my mind. I put it back (laughs) in my head, and it was made of... And it was made of queer uh, rainbows and mm-hmm. everyone's queer studies thesis. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes. Yeah. Shoved back in my brain. Yeah. That was a like weird metaphor. Anytime she looks at anybody through the tinted glass on the screen door. Yeah. Oh. Every time that came back, there were parts of it that were kind of on the nose. The the third man, after she is attacked and wants to call the police, her own, you know, this guy that she trusts, yeah. her own lover completely turns on her yeah. unsurprisingly Ugh. but nonetheless agonizingly yeah, it's rough. Ugh. and throws her off a fucking cliff yeah and that then is so french is... and so dramatic <laughs> killed by phallic symbolism right she falls in a tree yeah and it, and it, impales, and it impales her, her. every feminist scholar is going to talk about yep. impalement in these movies yep. i mean that was right there and then and they, just they to make just matters leave. worse that son of a bitch goes back to the house and puts his boots on the bed what kind of monster well now he's canceled right i mean that's where i drew the (laughs) line everybody (laughs) and a lot of what's important about these films because she goes through Mm -hmm. so much there has that tension is that set up and that tension is is unrelenting but you go into movies like this expecting or at least hoping for catharsis of some kind Mm -hmm. to get all Aristotelian on Mm -hmm. you. You're expecting something cathartic to happen. The the thrill of watching a movie even as horrifying as this one is not knowing when that catharsis is going to happen or how it's going to be drawn out. Because in order to get that catharsis, in order for her to achieve her revenge yeah, she it. has to go through it mm-hmm. and i think it's a good time to talk about how fucking awesome matilda lutz ah, is as oh this final girl God, yeah carol uh, j clover the feminist yeah. author what is believed to be the one who coined the term final girl mm-hmm. because horror despite its misogynistic treatment of women often often includes a single woman as the survivor and of course, there are all these misogynistic tropes like if you have sex, you die. If yeah. you do drugs, you die. If you do this, you die. And she does all of those things in the first 10 minutes of the yeah. movie and then starts kicking ass. So yeah. you already love her as a final girl. Yeah, and in of the that beginning, agency. she's totally set up as the person who, you know, gets killed to prove a point, basically right. to alert everybody else that, whoa, there's a. She's killer. underestimated. Yeah. By everything. Yeah. Mm hmm. By the camera itself sometimes when she comes in with her lollipop. You're like, oh, you're so used to seeing that trope. You have a gut reaction to, oh, some some ditzy girl. But then immediately starts proving that she is a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, well, there are all these, like very you know typical male gaze shots just like of her ass of her ass uh, they, like, i mean it's a over. great ass i i when she used that guy as a stripper pole mm-hmm. i was like <laughs> look i am a nationally ranked homosexual but i would not be mad if someone as awesome as that started using me as a stripper pole make yeah. me a prop <laughs> green light green light all yeah. of it <laughs> yeah it's like it's following her in like these creepy shots where it's like who's watching her whose perspective is this and but but it seems like it's so specific that it knows what it's doing it's calling on these tropes for a specific reason and then basically after that night the perspective completely changes and it's following her so much more the film does enjoy lingering on uh the actor i believe his name is kevin jansen's 
the actor who plays Richard, her mm-hmm. lover, um, because he cute. Like in the first five minutes, you see him naked, and he's he's yeah. easy on the eyes. And but the movie does oft often uh, glorify his body in the way that the horror movies of yesteryear would glorify TNA on women, like yeah. just naked women running around for show. I mean, you see him naked more than you see her naked. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. there is that objectification. But the movie does not want to let you forget that even even if we objectify a man who is conventionally attractive, we cannot forget that he is a, that he is only getting away with all the things he's getting away with is because he's attractive, rich, white, resourceful. <laughs> Did I things. mention rich? Yeah. And no matter how much is taken away from him, he could be butt, buck ass naked. He still ha- holds most of the chips. Yeah. And the movie doesn't let you forget that. Yeah. I mean, that's one reason why, like, when people tear down the appearance of somebody terrible, mm-hmm. like, in yes. the news. When it's, yeah. And, yeah, like, I don't that. I don't like that. It, it bothers me. And it's not because I feel bad for them. Right. But because I don't like the implication that if they were more attractive, that it would make it okay. Exactly. Yeah. That's like, well said. I, I feel like, and I feel like he's, he's a little bit older yeah and not to not to be ageist or anything but younger men might be more insecure about their bodies but it's clear that a he's worked on it and yeah. you know he ha- he does he does the gym five days a week and doesn't skip no. leg day or butt day because he has a nice butt but um just that the beer made me say that um because he's trash <laughs> he's a trash yeah, person brought to you by the pastryarchy Exactly. This this movie is or this beer is making me thirsty <laughs> for the most horrible person in this movie and I apologize for it. I think that maybe the actor was like, Yeah, I I'm a man of a certain age. I don't give a shit at this point. But mm-hmm. I also feel like if I were to go about nude as much as he does in a movie, rather than saying, Ooh, look at that fine butt, people would probably just call me brave. <laughs> You know, uh, you know that double-edged sword yeah, of of, you're so of objectifying this, and and it's another one of the ways Fargiat wants to. Oh God, I hope I pronounced that right. Wants to invert right. the way the male gaze is normally employed in movies, mm-hmm. but still, at the end of the day, you can take the emperor's clothes <laughs> yeah. and mock him all he wants, but he still gets to you know say who gets their heads chopped off. Mm-hmm. And shit. Yeah. You go with me on that metaphor. Sorry. I follow. <laughs> I, I got it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I was really pleasantly surprised that for all of the violence that they do glorify, that they mm-hmm. do not actually glorify the assault scene. That is good. Yeah. Because I, I this movie has you know, everything in, else yeah, in it. Yeah. But like in ants? big con... Ooh, Why yeah. ants? This, oh, this, this spider getting like just murdered by the piss spiders drowning in pee every yeah. single bodily fluid and yeah. every single scary creepy insect is mm-hmm. in this movie also uh, epileptic uh, like shots that would be yeah. not recommended for epileptics mm-hmm. and yeah. and sound design that would not be recommended for people with mm-hmm. tinnitus uh, yeah because yeah. there's you know when anything like traumatic or happens to a character like they get shot or they fall off a cliff that trope of the sudden ringing in the ears Uh yeah that happens a couple times that happens more than once yeah including someone's ear getting blown in half like this movie it glorifies all of the violence that isn't sexual yeah yeah one thing that i really appreciated as fucked up and disturbing as it was, <laughs> was um, when she was so, um, okay, so she was left for dead. Right. Managed to survive. Yeah. Becomes very resourceful. The scenes of her yeah. uh, surviving mm-hmm. and the scenes of her fixing herself are, yeah. are intense. Those are s- but so intense. ultimately, like, you find yourself reading for her immediately. Like, yeah. Like, fucking do it. Give yourself that beer can tattoo. Yeah. Do well, it. she's, um, I think because you show her her being resourceful and intelligent and um working with what she has but also it's not like in the blink of an eye she becomes this trained assassin she's working with what she got yeah she works and and, also shows extreme strength yeah it shows strength that 
I think it, the movie is saying that she had all along. Right. It's not that this happened to her and that this made her strong, but that she had it and needed to call on it. Oh, you absolutely. Know. I, I, was, I was clocking the points in the movie at which... If I were in that situation, I'd have been like, nope, I give up. Let a vulture, let a vulture yeah. eat me. Like, every step of the way, I'd like, I would not have made it to that step. I would not have made it to that step. She's suturing. Hey. Uh, that's her last name. Yeah. Uh, she's suturing her, she's uh-huh. caught, sorry, cauterizing yeah. her wound yeah. with, a, with a white hot beer can. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Uh-huh. And it does give her a... a a like, phoenix yeah, tattoo? Yeah, phoenix tattoo which is a little bit branded wild. on her belly. That's when this kind of goes into the more it's fantastical. It's a little bit like, okay. Yeah, I, I watched an interview on YouTube uh, today with the uh, director, the director and the and star. Um, and she said in her beautiful uh, French accent, she was like, hey, I wanted to make it phantasmagorical. Phantasmagorical. Yeah. A wonderful word. Yeah. It's even a little on the nose when the first man that she gets revenge on uh-huh. is the one who saw what yeah. was happening and said nothing. Yeah. It's, well, he did more than just say nothing. He specifically walked in saw, and his friends said, like, get, get out, out of here. And he walks out, yeah. turns up the volume on the TV to Oh, yeah. The amount, you know, of, the amount of distraction <sighs> he does just so that he can... Pre- and and just, he's, of course, the first one who gets uh, revenged upon. Yeah. And it's his eyes that yeah. get gouged out. And mm-hmm. it's like, this is... Uh, this is quite obvious, yeah. metaphorically speaking. Yeah. The one who sees but says nothing. And eats that candy. And he ate that candy all An like yeah. Close yeah. Up. yeah, here's the trigger warning for the people with misophonia. Mm. <laughs> mm. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good trigger warning. I mean, he's also the only one that she seems to show any there isn't a lot of remorse for him, which is good, but she but since he didn't actually do anything to her, he didn't uh, well, assault her and he didn't well, until he, she it's finds a, him it's what he doesn't do and yeah. then of course yeah. yeah he's like hunting her and yeah and luckily she gets a drop on him in a in a great scene mm-hmm. uh in in the lake yeah she yeah, uses well, the she element to... she uses fire she yeah. uses water so she she's... uses earth <laughs> she's the avatar she is but she is bending those, yeah. those men. But she sneaks up on him just looking to take his gun and get away. Like, I don't think that she was intending to murder him just then, but just to, you know, survive. But then he catches her and he tries to drown her and yeah. she grabs his knife and out go his eyes. Ugh. And it's great. <laughs> and it's great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, after which she becomes, you know, Lara Croft. Yeah. Well, then she takes his... Uh, Via the most dangerous yeah, game. Yeah, his motorbike and like takes it to the cave and then because she still has the branch like in her belly at that point oh man yeah natalie portman and black swan yeah but you know doing some more intense shit yeah yeah sorry natalie natalie if you're listening if you're sitting next to joaquin and you're listening oh we still love you yeah it's a little bit more than the ballet which you definitely did all of your own dancing perfect i was perfect well We've talked a lot, and we've unfortunately <laughs> come to the end. Oh, wow. Uh, is there anything We didn't even else? get to the end of the movie, though. I think but it's... Yeah. Would you recommend this film? I... Not to everyone, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say know what you're getting into. Yes, there's there should be caution involved. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're if you're a survivor. The, the strength that is displayed in this movie is, is honestly incredible, but of course... If it's not for you, it's not for you, and no one's going to fault you yeah. for avoiding such cinema. Yeah, one thing that was really that I really appreciated, just uh, you know, without getting into a lot of stuff, but just speaking as a survivor myself, um, I really appreciated that they, after this happened, it wasn't like she immediately became a badass without any emotional vulnerability. She still had these nightmares. There was a lot of that. Yes. She still had these visions of them coming after her and you know she was fighting for herself despite that she didn't shut that off you know just like everybody copes in their own way I think a lot of people try to make big sweeping general statements of how How people uh, survive but but everybody's different everybody has their own experiences and if you gotta hunt three men in the desert (laughs) yeah you gotta hunt three men in the desert but they didn't like erase the 
what was going on in her head as she was doing that. They didn't set it like she does what she does, but it's they never make they never turned. make it seem easy for her. Like no, in, you know, it's like never Kill easy. Bill or something like that, where it's like suddenly <laughs> it is a little easy at Kill yeah, Bill. I think. Yeah. Despite how great it's filmed, it, it's a little easy. Oh, it's a fun time, but it's <laughs> oh, like... it's a fun time. So, did this film make you gag? It did. Was um, it a good gag or a bad gag? Um, it was a feelings gag. It was a feelings <laughs> yeah. gag. Yeah, there's a lot of both. Yeah. They're wrapped up in each other yeah. in this film. And if you are a literal gag person who can't deal with you know, gore and violence, do not watch this yeah, film. Yeah, this may this not is be your for warning. you, and that's okay. Although if you've made it this far in the recording, yeah. <laughs> you're probably fine. Yeah. Is there anything you want to promote or plug or anything? Um, okay. Your Instagram? Wow, or... okay. So, um, I mean, my Instagram is mostly pictures of my family dog. Well, that's great. Um, yeah, Charlie. Um, so it's at Emalaya. So that's E-M-A-L-A-I-A. I have a few shows open right now. Cool, cool. Where? Yeah. So I intimacy choreographed um, Perfect Arrangement at Silver Spring Stage, which is a gay old time. It's my a second time, time. working um, on that production okay. in that capacity. Um, and the Mineola Twins in um, Fells Point Corner Theater in Baltimore. Cool. And then my next one is going to be intimacy choreographing for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, also in Baltimore. Ooh. Yeah. Fascinating. And as always, you can follow me at Joshua Simon Says. Do follow me on Instagram. And always remember that only small men need big guns. I don't know why I wrote that down at the end of the at the end of my notes. Small men need big guns. <laughs> she okay. does. She does okay. use a rather big gun too. Yeah. Because. When these men go hunting with these huge guns and say it's for sport, it's like, I feel like you're circumventing the actual Mm -hmm. hunt part. You think? Maybe? But she does put those guns to good use, so women just know how to use those guns a little bit better than the uh, small-minded men who think they know how to use them. Yep. (laughs) (sighs) Men are trash. And on that note... (laughs) Don't tell Facebook. Yeah, don't tell Facebook. They'll get mad. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for talking about such a woof of a film. Yeah. And helping me talk about it with the vocabulary necessary. And I hope we had a good chat. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. And I really appreciate you coming out. So until next time, Emily Suture and I will be saying goodbye. Bye.